audio sounds in the clip. Okay, it's pretty easy. Everyone happy with that? What surprise? Yeah, so I knew you'd ask that. <laughs> and um, I have run out of chocolates this morning, which is a bit disheartening. So um, if you get all 24, if you get all 24, I'm going, I'm going on record here. If you get all 24, a massive block of chocolate, two blocks of chocolate, okay? I'm up the stakes big time, okay? So if you get all 24. All right, here we go. So are you ready? Are you listening? This is, this is it. Easy, right. <laughs> 24 of noises, sounds, whatever. Who reckons they heard something? Movies? Yes, actually. The, the what, sorry? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, I'm, maybe. I'm, I'm, I'm not 100%. The whole thing. Oh, so, okay, I probably should have made it clear that it's like 24 individual little sounds. It's not, it's not from a movie or anything, if you're confused. Okay, so it's not Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, if you want me to give you some chocolate because you said that, I'm happy to do that. But, um, so movie, a movie sort of real, that was one. Good job. Water, yes. Hmm. A swing, yes. Yeah, what did someone say over here? Oh, I don't think there is. Eh? Yes, kids screaming. Yes, a car door. Okay, sure. Anything else? Opening a bottle. Food? Uh, there was sort of shouts of joy and stuff. Anything else? Um, a whistle. <laughs> Cooking? Clapping. Yeah, I think it was clapping. Okay, right. I'm going to put you out of your misery. I'm going to show you a video clip of all the sounds. I'm pretty sure there's no Charlie and there's no car door, but I could be wrong. So we're going to watch, and if you're like, oh, that's what that sounded like, this is what it is, okay? Ah, all right. So you did pretty well. I mean, you did pretty well. You've got good hearing, which is good. Uh, I'm very impressed. I think many of you don't, like, if, if you've picked most of those sounds, many of you don't really have an excuse to say, look, I didn't hear my wife asking me to do the dishes or to put away the clothes, um, you know. And if you are struggling with that, um, and I'm talking specifically to the guys here, I do have the latest uh, hearing aid equipment. So this is like the next level of technology. So you don't have any excuse. But actually, I don't know if you appreciate it or not, but the human ear is very, it's a remarkable piece of machinery. So it's, your, your ear is always on. Even when you're asleep, your ear is still picking up sound. Your brain is just 
hopefully trying to tune them out, for some of you maybe not. So you possibly know too that your ear has three bones within it, and they are the smallest bones in the human body. They could fit uh, together, the three of them, on a 10 cent piece, so they're pretty tiny. And your ear canal, that's the tube that sound goes in and travels through, it's about the width of a pencil. It's, it's less than the length of your pinky, but it's about the width of a pencil, so pretty small. And in that, and this may gross you out, 20,000 hairs. I don't know the scientist who counted them, but that's a lot. 20,000 hairs to protect your ear from all the dust and the debris that kind of comes in. And so your ear is a really complex system. It translates sound waves uh, into electrical impulses and then sends that to the brain through your nerves. You guys know that, right? But did you know that the human ear can hear sounds between 20 hertz, which is really, really low, and 20,000 hertz, which is really high. So 20 hertz, the low frequencies, that's like the lowest pedal on a pipe organ. Or if we were going to take uh, the bass guitar, that's an octave off or lower than the bass guitar. So it's pretty low. It's like a very, very deep rumbling. And 20,000 hertz, that's ultrasonic sound. So it's the absolute max that humans can hear. When your dog goes, oh and tilts their head to the side, that's when they're tuning in to the ultrasonic frequencies that humans can't really kind of pick up. But the interesting thing is that the human voice sits right in our optimal hearing range, which means that when your wife is asking you to do the dishes, you have no excuses. Like That is really the sound waves that you should be hearing. And I think that kind of indicates that we are wired to hear the voices of people around us. But sometimes there is a problem and that is not all the voices we hear are from the outside. You might be familiar with this movie, a biographical film called A Beautiful Mind that came out um, 20 years ago, set in America in the 1950s and 60s and it stars uh, Russell Crowe as John Nash. John Nash was a a mathematical genius, he undertook groundbreaking work in economic theory. And, and Nash was so intelligent that he became a professor of a prestigious uh, American university before he was even 30. I mean, that stuff is just unheard of. This guy was mega, mega intelligent. But at the height of his career, John Nash suffered a mental breakdown. So he interrupted a lecture to say that he was on the cover of an international magazine disguised as the Pope. And then he claimed that foreign governments were tracking his every moves. He even turned down um, a teaching position at a great university because he said he had recently been made the Emperor of Antarctica. And so during the film, it's really clear that John Nash wrestles with these voices in his head. Now, I don't know if you've seen the film or not, but I'm going to give you a massive spoiler, is that some of the characters in the film are not real. They are inventions, they are, they are uh, illusions from John Nash's imagination. And so, for Nash, though, these voices, these people, these characters were very, very real, and he listened to these voices, and when he did, they damaged his real relationships with his wife, with his colleagues, and with his students. 
And so eventually Nash is diagnosed with paranoid delusion and, and during his lifetime at various occasions he, he is hospitalised to try and deal with um, some of the voices in his head. And a really encouraging thing is that over time with the support of his wife and the support of his friends, Nash is able to learn how to discern the voices in his head. He's able to discover how to test what is true and what is false. And so while, he's never, while he never becomes fully free from his mental illness, Nash is able to limit the influence that his voices have uh, on his thoughts and his actions. And so in the film, Nash contends that this very fascinating argument. He says that his battle is the battle that all of us face. And he's talking with one of his friends and he says, I'm not so different to you. We all hear voices we just have to decide which ones we are going to listen to. So if you're here last week um, at church, or if you're listening on the podcast, you'll know that I encouraged us all to see our situations and our circumstances from God's perspective. I encouraged us to write our own headlines. But the only way that we can do that is by listening to the right voices. When I was a kid, I um, watched a lot of cartoons, and one of my favourites was Tom and Jerry, you know, the crazy cat and the crazy mouse, who basically just spent the whole episode chasing each other, coming up with elaborate traps to try and, you know, use their slapstick humour and capture each other. But whenever there was a moral dilemma, Tom, that's the cat, he ended up having a little cartoon cat angel on one shoulder and a little cartoon uh, cat devil on the other shoulder. And he always had to wrestle with who he was going to listen to. Now, I think that's probably a little bit simplistic because it's a cartoon after all, but there is a number of influences in our lives. And without a doubt, there are spiritual influences at work in the world pulling us uh, toward good or toward evil. But we're also influenced by other voices. Relationally, we're influenced by our family, our friends, our workmates. Uh, physically, we're influenced by where we go, what we do, what we eat, what we drink. Uh, um, biologically, we're influenced by our hormones and our chemicals, and emotionally, we're influenced by our own thoughts and our feelings. And all of those are our voices. They'll have influence on our everyday lives, and some of those voices are disruptive and destructive. Others um, are very positive and productive. Some of those voices accentuate our weaknesses and emphasize our strengths. Some of those voices lead to either death or to life. But in the midst of all those voices that we are hearing, there is one that we are called to listen to the most. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was teaching a crowd of people about leadership and about influence, and he used an analogy uh, about a shepherd and a sheep. So if you've got a Bible, I'm going to read um, with you from John chapter 10. This is what Jesus said. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. The sheep recognize his, that's the shepherd's voice, and come to him. Now, apparently, Jesus' original listeners, they didn't really understand this whole sheep-shepherd analogy. So he goes on in the rest of the chapter to explain, basically, that those who truly want the good shepherd's influence in their life, they need to be willing to hear his voice. And probably 
the fact that you are at church or maybe you're listening and you're thinking, well, that's great. That's, that's why I'm here. That's what I'm trying to do. That's, that sounds exactly, I want to hear the good shepherd's voice. But the question is, how do you do that? And it's been a really interesting theme already this morning through Murray, through Conrad, and, and through some of the songs that we've been singing, like listening and hearing the voice of God. So how do you do that? Because if you're anything like me, sometimes, often, it seems like God is silent, frequently. And what's worse is that you read the Bible stories, and many of those characters, they had a proper conversation with God. You know, like God speaks directly to them, audibly to them, and, and unmistakably to them. So for example, in the Old Testament, Abraham and Sarah, God visited them and spoke with them on a number of occasions. Or Jacob, God appeared and spoke directly to Jacob. Moses had heaps. Moses had the burning bush. He had God speaking to him through the plagues in Egypt. Uh, the Ten Commandments were a direct revelation from God. And then right through those wilderness wanderings, God is speaking with Moses. Solomon, God spoke to him in a dream. Job, God spoke to Job in a whirlwind. Elijah, God spoke to Elijah in a gentle whisper. And many of the prophets, Isaiah, Jonah, Hosea, Zechariah, and a bunch of others, God speaks directly and clearly to them. And it's not just ancient people living in ancient times. Even the New Testament, there was angelic representatives uh, through God spoke to Mary, to Joseph, to Philip, and to Peter. And so I'm just... A simple guy. I don't need a burning bush. I don't need a whirlwind. I don't need an angel. I would be happy with a postcard from God. Just some clear instructions. If, if God wanted to, if God wanted to video chat over Zoom, that would be pretty cool. I'd be very happy with that. But just, just happy for something simple. But it doesn't always happen like that. We would love it if God spoke directly to us, especially when we've got a really important decision to make that we're trying to wrestle with and figure out. You know, maybe it's uh, the career that we're going to pursue or, or who we're going to marry or where we're going to live or which house we're going to buy or what are we going to do with our lives. Like, those would be pivotal moments when God's guidance would just be, be great, wouldn't it? I mean, hand on heart, I think that if God gave me guidance like that, he told me the best option, I think I would gladly obey. But what I've learnt over the years and still learning is that God's silence does not equal his absence. And what I'm, I'm realising is that God knows me well enough to know that if I'm going to grapple with those big decisions, if I'm going to really think and struggle and check my motives and consider my options, if I'm going to seek out some wise counsel, if I'm going to take responsibility for my choices then I am going to grow and mature in ways that would never have been possible if God had simply sent me a postcard with the instructions. And see, God's goal is not necessarily our comfort, but is our calling. He is shaping us to be more and more like Jesus. Still, at times, you know, maybe we feel like we're in self-isolation from God on occasions, you know. Uh, and in the midst of those difficult times, those tough times, we'd love to just hear from God. You know, that's not a, a, an unusual feeling. You know, lots of people have felt. In fact, in the midst of seemingly overwhelming circumstances, David wrote this in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? 
Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. You know, David was famously known as being close to God, but in this moment, his life, uh, in this moment of his life, he felt abandoned and alone. His enemies were closing in, and David thinks that God is silent. And maybe you've been there. Maybe it was a diagnosis, a redundancy, a failed project, a relationship that broke down, just a change of plans. You know, in that moment, you acutely felt the silence of God. How do you hear God's voice in those seasons of silence? How do you tune into the call of the Good Shepherd? Well, uh, there's three simple tips I could give you this morning, stuff that I'm learning and still trying to figure out. And the first one is this. Perhaps one of the most significant times, um, the things that I've learned, is that when it seems like God is silent, he's actually not. It's just that we aren't listening. You might be familiar with the Old Testament story when God called uh, the young boy Samuel to ultimately become his prophet. God called to Samuel and Samuel replied, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. But I think too often our prayer is, Listen, Lord, your servant is speaking. And sometimes I think we just need to shut up and listen and wait for God to speak. And in the hustle of our busy lives, it's really difficult to do that. Sometimes we miss what God is saying. Maybe it's through the beauty of a sunrise. Maybe it's over coffee with a friend. Maybe it's some uplifting scripture or a timely song on the radio or some encouraging phone call that you've received. Maybe it's just simply a job well done. Maybe it's a book, a film, or a piece of art. They are all ways that God can speak to us if, if we would listen. And I think one of the easiest ways to hear God's voice in our lives is simply to slow down. Now, I'm not an expert on this, and I'm certainly not saying that you suddenly have to become a monk or a nun this week and retire to a monastery and start up a, a private life of reading and reflection and a quiet voice, maybe some chanting. You don't have to do that. But, but our modern life is very fast, and it's very complex, and we're juggling lots of roles and responsibilities, some of our own choosing, you know, the whole FOMO, fear of missing out, and others are forced upon us. But I think there's still moments throughout our day where we can just catch our breath and check in and, and reconnect with God. Maybe it's, maybe it's those two minutes before your alarm goes off and everyone else um, is still asleep. Maybe it's just the few minutes that you have on your commute to the office or you're driving between work sites. Maybe it's a quick walk around the block at lunchtime. Maybe it's something uh, later in the evening when everyone's gone to bed and you've just got five minutes to reflect on God's presence during the day. <laughs> Maybe it's when you go to the bathroom. Maybe it is when you are in the toilet, but there's the only time that you've got. And look, we all have to go, so you know, perhaps that's a time, a chance for you to reflect. I uh, was with the painting team this week, and I was up on the roof here at church in that corner, and the piece that I had to paint, I had to lie on my back on the roof and paint, you know, overhead. And I felt like Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel, <laughs> but it wasn't quite that good. But it gave me a chance, to, you know, to see not just the roof that I was painting, but the clouds floating by and this bird 
And it gave me perspective. It just made me realise about how tiny I am. And um, it was good. And then I had to fix up the mistakes that I'd made by not looking and concentrating on what I was doing. But there is just moments that we can escape the hustle and bustle of life and, and I think listen to God's guidance as we navigate our day. Second thing I am uh, learning things that I, I think are helpful to discern God's voice is to listen to other people. And, and I'm not saying listen to anybody, okay? There is a lot of people in our world saying a lot of rubbish. But I think listening to someone close, someone who knows you well. In fact, I've had times when I've listened to someone who's known me well and they have they've spoken directly into a situation or a decision that I'm facing. And, and I've been convinced that they have shared the wisdom of God for me at that moment. You know, near the end of a beautiful mind, there's a really powerful scene, John Nash comes out of his classroom where he's been teaching, and there's a man waiting to talk to him that he has never seen before. And this man says that he wants to talk to Nash about being awarded the Nobel Prize for economics. And John Nash just goes silent, because for years he has suffered the voices in his head, and they have fueled his feelings of grandiosity. And so Nash has learnt that he cannot discern the voices on his own. So he grabs a student who's walking past, just coming out of the classroom, and he says to the student, can you see this man standing here? Is he in your line of sight? Is he for real? And the student says, yes, I can really see this man. He is standing outside the classroom. So John Nash then turns to the man and he says, okay, I will listen to you now. Now that must have been a hugely humbling thing for a man with such a brilliant mind. That Nash realised that he could not discern the voices in his life on his own. He needed help from others. He needed to connect into a community. And I think that that principle is true for all of us. We are made for relationships with God and with each other. And ultimately, isn't that what the Christian church is all about? I mean, the church is described as the body of Christ. It is designed to encourage and support and to build one another up. And so maybe you are struggling to discern some voices. You're trying to figure out the path that God is calling you to, whether it's a decision or a circumstance or whatever. Maybe you just need to meet up with a trusted person, someone who who knows you well. Maybe someone who's a little bit older. Maybe someone who's had some life experience, who's, who's perhaps gone before you. So you can seek their wisdom in this situation. Proverbs puts it like this, the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. And I think that's good advice. Thirdly, and finally, perhaps the the best practice I have um, figured out for listening and hearing God's voice is to meditate on his word. And the practice of meditating is, is... Probably a little bit left field in the Western world for the last 50 years. It's sort of been associated with Eastern religions, you know, Buddhism and Hinduism and all that sort of stuff. But the truth is that everybody meditates, not just Buddhist monks, because meditation is essentially turning your mind to think deeply about an idea or an issue, to really focus your thinking on something. And so by that definition, people meditate on their newsfeed, Some people meditate on the weather report. You might meditate on an article that you've read or or a film that you've watched. You might even meditate on what the scales read out to you this morning when you stepped on them. 
But the key to meditation is really what we turn our thoughts to. And followers of God have been meditating on his word for thousands of years. So Joshua instructed the Jewish people this. He said, always keep this book of the law, God's word, on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything in it. Then you'll be prosperous and succeed. So I thought we could possibly practice just a little meditation on God's word if you're keen. Yes? No? Okay, well, it's too bad because we're going to do it. So, All right. I'm going to give you two lines from one of David's ancient poems. This is uh, the two lines. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Okay, and we're going to meditate on this. We're not going to chant it a thousand times, okay, if that's what you're worried about. But we are going to read it together. So I'm going to invite you to read this aloud with me, starting on three. One, two, three. I know the Lord always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Excellent. All right. Now we're going to read it together again, but slightly slower. Okay? Not in like slow-mo, but just slightly slower. Okay. One, two, three. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Okay. So let's meditate on this. Let's just focus on the deeper truth and then try and apply it to our lives. So first question, let's just look at the first line. I know the Lord is always with me. What would it be like for you to know that the Lord is always with you every day? So when you wake up, your first thoughts are tuned to the day that God is unfolding. What would it be like if you were aware of his presence with you as you dropped off to sleep? What would your conversations be like if you were aware that God was the unseen third party in those conversations? What would it be like if you were at your desk at work or, or at school and you were able to draw upon God's strength and support in those moments? Okay, second line. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. So what does that mean for you? Does that give you confidence when your boss is super stressed? Does that give you a sense of calm when the kids are just running riot? Knowing that, how do you respond to a, a failed project or some conflict or an illness or loss? So as we think about these things, we kind of try and figure them out. We try and put them into practical realities in our lives. So, so how are you going to remind yourself of this core truth that's captured in these two lines? I mean, maybe you could <clears throat> set, your, uh, set an alarm on your phone, maybe to pray just these two lines at two or three times during the day. Maybe you could put this verse as a picture on your lock screen or your screensaver. Maybe you could write it on the back of the toilet door. Maybe you could just somehow make it so that it's front and center of your mind throughout the day in the different places you are and the things that you are doing. And that's simply meditating on God's word. It's just thinking through some of those timeless truths and then putting it into practice in our daily lives. And it is a very helpful practice to hear God's voice. There's a guy called John Calvin. He was a French theologian, lived around 400 years ago, has been hugely influential on Christian thought and practice for the last four centuries. And he wrote that when God speaks, 
God lisps, as it were, with us. Just as nurses are accustomed to speak with little children. In doing so, he must stoop far below the height of his majesty. You think about that, that picture. God stoops to us. He, he lisps to us. He is speaking to us. We just need to listen. So we're going to pause for just a couple of moments as we kind of draw our time together to a close. Pause for a moment and I'm going to give you a chance to slow down, to, to listen. I mean, some of you might just simply enjoy the silence, you know, with no kids around. Others might like to take 40 winks and that's, that's totally okay. Or you might like to pray, you might like to meditate on God's word. I'm going to put some texts up on the screen. But I just really want you to take this as an opportunity to listen to God's voice, to hear the Good Shepherd and, and listen to what he's saying to you so that you can tune in and follow him. Okay? Uh, I, hope, I hope you found that helpful. Let's pray. God, we just come before you this morning and we simply want to listen. And the hustle and bustle of modern life, we know we need to just take some time to slow down, to push aside, uh, push aside some of the noise and the negative influences and tune into what you would tell us. So this week, may we have open ears to hear you, to, to recognise your wisdom and your guidance, to find peace in the midst of the pressures that we face every day, and to follow the voice of the Good Shepherd in our lives. In his name we pray. Amen. Hey, great to see you this morning. Really hope that you found um, what we've been able to do together encouraging. Feel free to stick around and uh, have a catch-up and stuff. We're not doing any morning tea um, again, just for probably another week or two, but um, you're welcome to take someone out to a cafe or get them around to your house. Uh, I've got a prayer people over here in the corner, so if you'd like to talk, feel free to do that. But have a great week. God bless you heaps, and catch you later. Thanks.